Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. Well, Rox, welcome to the Product Journey podcast. Thank you. Dude, good to be here. Good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I've, I've been uh, jumping in on your stream every once in a while, which is fun, kind of seeing you work, seeing you do your thing. And uh, just so everyone knows, so Rox, let me, let me give a, a, a small summary of what I know about you, and then maybe you can fill us in on what I'm wrong on, what I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, well, also, people can probably hear that my voice is kind of shot, so sorry about that. I'm kind of getting over something a little bit and lost my voice a little bit, but hopefully you can still hear me okay. Uh, it should be good. Um, but yeah, so Rox... You are kind of, you're an indie hacker, so you're building some stuff on your own solo, but then to make it all interesting, you're like streaming the whole process on Twitch and you're like on stream, like, I don't know, five days a week. Um, and then also I saw like you're working on the side maybe for Mr. Beast, which is pretty cool. I don't know how much you can talk about that, but I, I, I do have some questions about that. Um, so yeah, we'll probably talk about yeah just some of the stuff you're working on and should be interesting. Hopefully for the different uh, indie hackers and bootstrappers that are listening, that's usually kind of the audience of this podcast. Um, but yeah, how did I do, Rox? Pretty good. Um, yeah, I will say, for the sake of honesty, since I started this, I'm doing like a three month contract gig with them. I have been streaming way, way, way less. So if anybody hears this and then goes to my Twitch channel, you're going to be like, oh, this guy this guy never streams. Uh, and that is a new thing as of when I started this in kind of August. Um, I'm still trying to figure out kind of uh, the balance between stuff. But yeah. prior to you're like, like very, I have my, recently, my real job yeah. thing to go to <laughs> now. <laughs> it's tough. It's a, there's, there's a lot to do there. And so it's like, yep. you know, part of the indie hacker thing is you get a lot of freedom. You know, you get to make your own yep. schedule, make your own hours. And, like, also you get to choose how many hours. Uh, and then for the first time in three years, I have a – I wouldn't call it a regular job, but I have a job. Uh, and yeah, suddenly I have to, like, rewire my brain again to get used to not just being like, yeah, I'll start my day at 4, you know, <laughs> like uh, yeah. p.m. <laughs> it just doesn't work out as well with uh, yeah. real life. Well, I'm sure – you know, if it's a contract job, like a freelance kind of job, at least like you're you're still kind of in control of it where it's like you can kind of probably, I would guess, choose kind of when you're putting in hours and you can still like be on a Twitch stream without them caring probably at different times, you know, as long as you're not doing it all the time. Like if you had a full-time job, they probably wouldn't like if you were like streaming throughout the day <laughs> on random stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What's nice is, What's nice and awful is, you know, I call my, uh, like the guys I work with, I call them at like midnight sometimes and like, they're also up. So it works out. <laughs> um, yeah. so it's, a uh, yeah, kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, like for me, when I was, I was working full time back when I was doing my side businesses, like it was on the side, but, and honestly, like I was putting a lot of time into my businesses, but I still had a full time job. And, you know, I was tweeting a lot, building in public, all that stuff. And I was a little bit nervous that, like, maybe my employer would see that and be, like, upset. But, like, at the end of the day, I was like, I just, I, I know this is what I want to do. And I'm going towards that direction anyway. So I'm just going to go all for it. And if it ends up being a bad thing, like, I can always move on, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that yeah. was my situation. My boss follows me on Twitter, and so I do worry similarly about like, <laughs> like there's two sides of it where it's like the one side is like, oh, if I talk about my business, they might be like, hey, you're working on your business too much. We got stuff. But then there's the other side of like, sometimes I tweet like, man, I'm really stressed about work. You know, and I'm like, I hope they don't take this the wrong way because I would tweet this about my own stuff too. And I do, you know, like I, I, that used to be the thing I was known for before being really Twitch was being the guy who'd be like, I'm really sad today. (laughs) I'm really struggling with some stuff. Uh, but then when that happens about work, I'm like less comfortable. It's really, really, really weird to go from build in public and share everything to secret job, share nothing. And like, it's a very big problem if I even slightly share anything uh yeah so i bet yeah i probably can't answer any of your questions about the job (laughs) no no that's good have you noticed um that like as you get like a bigger following on twitter and twitch that it's like harder to maybe share some things because you feel like there's more people following along more eyeballs there's more like maybe uh pressure or something no not at all i mean if it weren't for this job i'd be exactly the same as i was a month ago like two months ago it was i mean truly i don't know like i've always been a guy that wears my heart on my sleeve so putting that into twitter and like on a twitch stream isn't like hard or, or scary you know yeah One of these, like there's i really don't have a lot to lose from tweeting like hey i'm having a rough day today if anything i have stuff to gain you know i say that and a bunch of people are like hey dude you got this it'll be okay and you know it helps yeah. a little bit yeah, you know, does it make yeah, me suddenly happier and fix all my problems? In. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like I'm fishing. I'm just like, you know, I believe that's kind of the point of building public is, you know, you talk about the good times, you talk about the bad times. I'll post my when my yeah. MMRR goes up, and then I posted, you know, two days ago, and I was like, you guys ever just watch your uh, MRR drop 5% in one day? You just get slashed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, that happened to me literally two days ago. <laughs> you know, it's not all good. And then there's other days where it's like, man, you know, today's one of those days where I really question my entire life. I question my life choices. I question everything. And so, yeah, yeah I don't know. It feels disingenuous to not share all of those things. And I really couldn't care less about yeah. how many people like I know, like there are people who are bigger than me in a very similar world who like have pasts of drug addiction who just talk about that openly, you know, and it's like. Uh-huh. That's way more brave than me being like, I'm sad today. <laughs> you know, I'm questioning yep. some stuff today. Yeah. No, so I I think that's definitely great to share the highs and the lows and kind of share all that stuff. And I, I try to do that as well because I feel like if people don't do that, which, it's, you know, at least what comes to the top on Twitter a lot of times is just like very positive, like, oh, this amazing thing happened. Um, everyone's, you know, liking it and whatever. Um, you know, you want to share the downs of things too, because that's what life is really like. So that's what I try to do too. But what I feel like as I've grown more on like Twitter and stuff is it's harder to share maybe all my interests because I have an interest in a lot of different things. And I feel like a lot of people or a decent amount of people will not want to see that stuff. So I try to like stay in my lane a little bit where in the past, like I've gotten, I've gotten really into like crypto NFTs and I feel like I can't talk about that stuff too much 
all the t- or at least Not all the time or share too much of my interest yeah. because a lot of bootstrappers and hackers don't like those things, which I've noticed. And so whenever I did, it it wasn't a very it didn't go very well, and people were kind of annoyed, and it was just kind of interesting. So I feel like that's where I feel like I can't share as much everything I want to all the time because there's like some topics or things that people don't want to see. Is is that's that's kind of the pressure I feel sometimes is like trying to like have to stay in like a certain lane. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Like, like a hundred percent, I have felt that. Like, I think crypto is a great example. Everybody got really interested in crypto for like a month, myself included, and then everybody decided actually we all hate crypto now. Uh, and a lot of people <laughs> hated it the whole time. To be fair, there's a lot of people who really, really yep. hated it. I lost <laughs> yep. a lot of friends that month. I lost like a lot of good friends that month. Just because um, you were talking back. about crypto, they're like, I yeah, don't because that I anymore. became like a, I tried to be a crypto guy and I like built a tool to like do some uh, NFT analysis or something. Uh, and a lot of people were like, I hate you now. I'm never going to talk to you again. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I didn't judge him for it. I didn't judge him for it. It was, it was a little heartbreaking, but I was like, you know what? It's, you know, stand for your values, I guess. But yeah, there's the other part of Twitter just being like annoying, right? Where it's like, am yeah. I talking about something no one wants to talk about? For me, that's video games where I'm like, like I love Kingdom Hearts. I would talk about Kingdom Hearts all the time. Oh, you know, yeah, there's not a new game coming out for years, but like I love like talking about it and liking it and replying to all these tweets. I don't really do that anymore because you know I tweet, oh my SEO is is garbage, you know, fifty likes. Oh man, you know, this this forum with Sora was the greatest thing ever in Kingdom Hearts two. You know, one like minus two follows. And I'm like, ah, right, yep. maybe I won't talk about it. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> but like on Twitch, I would say truly unfiltered. Like I will talk about pretty much anything. I'll talk about life worries and I'll talk about, you know, freaking kingdom hearts and I'll talk about, you know, dumb stuff. Cause I, I think on Twitch, it's easier to be more of an entertainer. I think on Twitter, yeah. there's a little bit of a personality, but also half of my Twitter is just me shit posting with my other Twitch friends. And so that, that fills my heart enough that I'm okay with yeah. <laughs> letting go of the kingdom hearts part. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So let's talk about the Twitch stuff you're doing. Um, so like you, st- like what made you decide like you want to start just like recording you building stuff and spending all this time on Twitch and sharing that in front of everybody? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people assume it was much more well thought out than it was and that I had like a strategy because the way people talk about Twitch now, it's like, I'm thinking of starting a Twitch stream. Like, what should I do? What should it be about? All these things. I was uh, living in a three-bedroom apartment with two roommates I didn't like and one bathroom in Chicago, working on my startup, working from home right after COVID hit, and I was feeling sad and lonely, but most importantly, unproductive. And so I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll Twitch stream myself working because it'll keep me productive. Uh, And that was it. That was the entire logic because I grew up on Twitch. So I changed my username from the thing when I was 13 to the thing that I had when I was 15, uh, which was, which was not better because I started streaming <laughs> at 22. Uh, I don't know why I didn't take the time to think of a better username. I wasn't worried about it. Uh, and I just started streaming and within three days I got raided, which is when somebody else sends you all their viewers. Uh, yeah. and that dude's like, you know, my best buddy in streaming to this day. Uh, and that made me a Twitch streamer. Like I was just streaming to be productive. Like I, Nobody in the world could know me right now. I could not have this job. I could be sitting at zero viewers and just programming for myself still in Chicago. Uh, 
But that one day, that one bit of luck was there, and you know, it all just kind of happened. Like, if mm-hmm. if you read my Twitch bio, it still says somewhere like I accidentally became a Twitch streamer because that is truly the story. And now I love it, and like it's it's you know truly ingrained into who I am, and that's why I've tried to like share it with a lot of people. You know, a lot of new people like this past few months, and in fact, like this was two years ago, what I just said. But these past few months, a lot of people are getting into Twitch. And so a lot of people are asking me about it and like how to get into it. I made a video like eight months ago I've been sending around. Uh, so it feels good. But by no means did I intend to be this guy. I just ended up as this guy. Yep. No, that's cool. I, I agree th- with what you're saying that it kind of forces you to like be productive because it's like you have a live audience watching and it's like they're expecting you to like do stuff <laughs> and make yeah. build, build something. And so it kind of makes you... Uh, do that and then like I can see it being kind of fun too where it's like you kind of feel like you have some people with you you're not just like building stuff all alone all the time which is what a lot of like solo indie hackers are doing which it it can really get lonely Um, it's like I've even thought about like trying to start like a twitch stream Um, I've done it a couple times my and I think I would probably be doing it a lot more my only problem right now is my computer seems to struggle to run twitch and like run my software that i'm producing and all that at the same time for whatever reason so it like whenever i type it's like a second delay which is super annoying so i kind of had to not do as much but i i probably would be if i get a new computer maybe i'll start uh streaming uh more because i think it is it is kind of fun and there are some benefits to it like you mentioned yeah dude when i was first streaming i was doing it on a 2014 macbook pro in 2020 which was already six years old and Macs aren't super good at streaming i mean now that's probably not as true because you got all these fancy new chips so i'm sure things are good now but like at the time like if i was streaming it would take me 12 seconds to load google um so i would literally have to have people in chat doing stack overflow searches for me and i had to optimize around spending the most time just in vs code because anytime i spent on google chrome was like you know as slow as my grandpa <laughs> and, yeah uh, god bless that's him not fun. but he ain't, that, he ain't very fast uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um my macbook is a 2017 so it's five years old and it's a it was a pretty good one of that day but yeah it just seems to struggle a little bit so i'm sure once I get the M1 chip and yeah, all the new stuff, it will be it will be a better experience, it'll, and I'll be more likely to uh, do it. Um, but yeah. yeah, if you're feeling lonely at all or unproductive at all, it's a really good hack. Like it works, and a lot of people will say like, "Oh, but like, how productive can you really be with a chat?" And like, it takes a bit of getting used to, but truly, like 80 percent, you know, which isn't like a hundred percent, but for me, I'm like rarely 100% productive. For me to be 100% productive, I have to buy a coffee and go sit at a Barnes and Noble, put on my headphones, not talk to anybody, uh, and yeah. just exist. You know, and like if I don't go to that level, then I can't do it. You know, I can't really, really, really focus on stuff because uh, my brain's bad. But having just that noise of a little bit of chat in the background and having to force myself to talk through everything, it like keeps me in that focus. Uh, so that yeah. 80% is better than the zero percent alternative. And if I do 10 hours of 80%, hey, you know, that's, that's eight hours. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Because, yeah, if you're working by yourself, you know, you might, might not have some of those distractions, but you'll probably, you'll still have other distractions like jumping to Twitter or, 
doing other things that you can do when you're not on a stream because no one's watching you, you know, and it's just another kind of form of distraction. Um, so do you think you'll always kind of do like content? Like, do you feel like your skills um, as a developer are, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's like developers that are like, you know, just really f smart, fast software writing developers. And then there's like developers where I think maybe more like you, where you're also good at like talking through things, content kind of stuff, explaining things where there, there's like a different fit that can work better for those kind of developers. I think I'm kind of maybe similar to that because I was, I'm definitely not the smartest like developer. Um, but I, I'm kind of like very rounded, I guess, where I can like do content stuff as well and like do like businessy kind of stuff. I like to kind of be in everything. Um, so do you feel like your, your skills are kind of in that content space that you'll just want to keep doing those kind of things as well uh, for your career? Well, first of all, it depends on if I'm allowed to. <laughs> um, Mm, yeah. If in a few months there's there's a full time scenario with the current gig, I may decide to take that. Uh, and if I decide to take that, there may be stipulations, a lot mm, of stuff yeah. up in the air for that. Outside of that, yes, a hundred percent. I wouldn't stop Twitch. I wouldn't stop streaming. Um, I'm not huge on YouTube, but I would keep making videos and stuff. Obviously, I've gotten way more into YouTube the past few months because. Uh, where I've ended up <laughs> and how those people found me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the big thing, I don't think this is the answer a lot of people expect, but it's like, I really view myself as an entertainer um, who just also has a huge like inferiority complex uh, who just really needs to build a big business to feel like I'm special. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to be special. <laughs> and the nice part about content uh, and me trying to be funny is it makes me feel special in small ways. And then I can keep working on the business and feel special in big ways. It's like, I really love doing the events and doing everything. Like there's another version of me that would just be a creator. Uh, but that, you know, absolutely destructive need to be super, super special. Like the specialist person that is in the world, uh, prevents me from just doing that. And instead I have to try and make a billion dollars. So while those two wolves fight inside me, uh, they can walk the same path in what I've started doing now of the stream, do the work, everything like, uh, so yeah, I mean, I really like the current gig, like not with the Mr. B stuff, but like with the just streaming and working because like, even then I'm able to like get sponsorships and stuff that can like carry me when I don't have money, uh, mm, from mm -hmm. my projects. So like I could live off of just streaming and startups I'm going to go so far as to say pretty much forever, like for sure. And then eventually one of the startups does well cool. enough that I just live off of that, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, like I would love that life. I was really getting to a really, really good point right before I took this job. And like, it was a really tough decision, um, but this job might be better. But I was about to hit the point of having enough in sponsorships that I was able to like live very comfortably month to month plus startups, plus my projects are growing. Now my projects are in the background for the next few months uh, and I actually hired two guys to work on them. But oh, wow. uh, they are still growing. Yeah, yeah. That was part of the deal was I was like, you have to pay me enough 
that I can pay other people to take over my other stuff so that nothing gets neglected. Uh, which has actually been working extremely well, which I did not expect. Well, that's a pretty good deal. All of a sudden you have like a, a workforce and you're able to do kind of what you were doing before with some help, but then also new things. That's pretty cool. And I'm sure, you know, working for Mr. Beast would be pretty cool experience. You know, I can, I know you can't talk about, it, but I can only imagine you're like doing something with like Beast Burgers or Feastables or some like, <clears throat> some like product, something, something app thing, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this much. It's probably not as cool as a lot of people would imagine, but it is cool for me for the things that I want to do. So it's not like crazy i'm not i'm not best friends with all the guys like i i met yeah. jimmy once for 90 seconds that's mm, it that's pretty cool you know i worked there for two months yeah he was that's that's you know like i haven't said a word to him since uh i haven't seen him i've worked him alone um but yeah it's it's not like you know the, the the ideal of that sentence is much bigger and crazier than, than the reality of it but the reality of it is still cool well, so now my imagination goes, you know, I, there's tons of things you could probably do or that Mr. Beast could have like programmers doing like in the background. Like it, it could be just infinite simple. Things. Yeah, like it could be just as simple as like writing like some data, like testing to like go through like YouTube videos and like figure out different titles or things that are working well and just like analyzing the algorithm or something like he could probably benefit from that like super well and he could probably just have tons of developers doing that so that he can make better videos. It, it could be something like that, like a behind the scenes thing. Like there, there's lots of cool things you could do, I'm sure, uh, working for Mr. B. So that's pretty cool. So did they find you through your Twitch stream? They did. They did, which is pretty, pretty, cool. pretty crazy that that's the truth. But yeah, they did. Um, yeah, it was really funny. So I built thumbnailtest.com, which is like a YouTube AB thumbnail tester. Um, and I think I liked a tweet from someone on the Mr. Beast team who saw my name, which I think had like live in it. Uh, and then he went to my profile, saw a thumbnail test, saw my stream, saw me working. And he was like, I want that guy. <laughs> and that's what happened. Uh, yeah. That wasn't like that was not literally Mr. Beast doing that. That was someone on the Mr. Beast team, right. to be clear. Right. Uh but yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Um yeah, definitely. So, I mean, cuz when I'm in your Twitch stream, there's like it seems like a lot of times there's around like 75 people or so at one time. Like that's that's a pretty good amount. Is that is that pretty normal numbers around 75 people are like watching at a time? For me, yeah, that's like, so I just became a Twitch partner relatively recently, and that is the cutoff. It's after 75 concurrent viewers is when you're able to apply for partner. Um, mm. So I, that was always like, that's kind of the only number you really need to hit. After that, you like don't win any like Twitch specific stuff. Like obviously you grow your stream, you grow your channel, you grow your audience, bigger sponsorships, blah, 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 blah. But like as far as Twitch is concerned, uh, you are in... A Twitch partner, I believe, is like the top 2%. There's like 2 million something affiliates, which you can basically say is like streamers that have tried enough to get three viewers. Um, so like serious streamers, let's say. Uh, mm -hmm. And out of 2 million affiliates, there's like 70K partners. 
and okay. napkin math is like two percent ish. Um, so I'm in that two percent now, uh, which just goes to show you how many small streams there are. But um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, beyond that, it's like you can you know then you just start to like cut by like ranking. You know, like like my buddy Prime when Twitch got hacked, he came out as like. He, he was number 5,000 in terms of income from Twitch, you know, as like mm. a really obscure thing. So it's a really weird system. But yeah, around 75 average people uh, watching me at a time these days. And I don't really have any goals to do a lot more than that. But I am rethinking my content in case I take this gig uh, to see if like I can do more like event style stuff and like talking about programming and other things like that and less of the build in public if I'm literally not allowed to build in public. Uh, so we'll see yeah. where this goes because on the event stuff with like my team, like with me and Prime and Bash and Teach, I could be pushing like several hundred. Um, so the numbers might change drastically. We'll see. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I had some uh, questions about some of the products and ideas you've been working on, but one last question about Twitch. I've heard that they've been like, there's been some drama recently, like them not like maybe like paying different partners or different streamers or something like that. Do you, do you know what's, what's, what's the drama with Twitch right now? Have you heard anything about that? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> drama. There's so much drama. Okay. I want you to know, like, this is like one of those, like, you know, the iceberg meme where it's like the 4% yeah. <laughs> of the iceberg that's above the water and then the, like 96% that's below. What you said was the 4%. In yeah. my head, I have the other 96%. I will answer your question with the 4%. Um, okay. <laughs> so Twitch used to, a long time ago, give partners a better split on subscriptions. So Twitch subscription in the U.S. costs $5 a month and it gets you like... You know, fancy stuff in, like, somebody's chat. You can use their emotes, blah, blah, blah. You support your favorite streamer. All that stuff. And that's, like, a subscription per streamer, not across Twitch. Um, so, like, I have, I don't know, like, I think 100 subscribers right now. Um, so you'd think I would make $500. But Twitch actually takes half, right? Mm. Uh, so Twitch takes 50-50 split. So I'm going to make 250 on each of those. Um, but in other countries, a, a sub isn't $5. It's, like, maybe $1 or $2, sometimes 50 cents. So I'm actually bringing home like maybe 200, maybe 150 uh, at the end of that. Now, Twitch used to give Twitch partners a 70-30 split. And Twitch has even gotten custom contracts with some really, really big streamers and given them special splits. Um, Twitch basically put out a press release because everybody's been like, Twitch, how are you giving 50-50? Like every other platform, like YouTube, I think is like 70-30 at least. Like OnlyFans is like 90-10. Patreon is like 95-5. Like, you're getting such a bigger cut of all the same money that you're bringing in. Uh, and so, really, like, more and more and more creators are getting pissed off at Twitch and saying, like, hey, you know, this this can't stand. And even, like, you see, like, the OnlyFans competitors type. Like, you've got, like, Fansly uh, and, oh, God, what's the other one? Um, Fanhouse. Uh, and they're all now using uh, this new Twitch press release as, like, marketing. Because Twitch basically said... We can't profitably run a streaming company at a lower cut, and we're already not running a profitable streaming company at this cut. So uh -oh. <laughs> deal with it is roughly what that said. And it also said that all the partners who were on an old-school 70-30 split would only get that up to the first 100K they make a year. And then after that, they would all get 
roughly like a 20% or like 17%, I don't know math, uh, just pay cut for, mm. for no reason. So everybody complains that Twitch is not paying enough, and Twitch says, you're right, we're going to pay the big guys less, and, and that's the only thing we're going to do. Mm. You know? And that's it. And then, that's pretty crazy. A lo- yeah, a lot of people gave him a lot of crap because the CEO of Twitch, I think, was the guy who like wrote this. Or, like One of the execs wrote this like press release at like 4 a.m., and everyone was like, look, man, it's not on the onus of the people on the platform to make it profitable. Like, it's on you to run a better business, but everybody's telling you right now, nobody's happy with the way your business is running, you know? And yeah. So that was a lot of the fight. So, oh, they got so much shit. And a lot of people are jumping over to YouTube is kind of what I heard, maybe. Yeah, well, Twitch also, quote unquote, changed their exclusivity rules. So arguably now... They don't technically allow restreaming, but you could stream on Twitch on a Monday and on YouTube on Tuesday, and that's allowed now, quote-unquote, um, which a lot of people have said is supposedly it was always allowed if you really, really, really read into it. Also, Twitch totally doesn't care if if you do that at all. So now I'm seeing a lot of my friends are, like, experimenting with this, uh, and a lot of people are doing the restreams anyway because, like, Twitch really doesn't care. Like, they're not going to go watch your YouTube and make sure you're not restreaming, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. you know, they keep themselves covered, but yeah, like the streaming world is seeing a shift. Like if you're new, I would still go to Twitch because like, these are really concerns for like larger streamers, I would say, right. or like at least midsize and up when you're small and starting out, I still think Twitch has more of a community, especially if you're listening to this podcast, like for programming, like Twitch still has all the people, like there isn't a community on YouTube. That's the big thing that you don't get on YouTube live streaming. There is no community. There is no like category. And losing that single-handedly makes it really, really, really hard. Um, But even a category isn't that amazing. So, like, YouTube's going to win in the long term. But I think what we're seeing now is, like, we had a lot of people who were just Twitch. Now we've seen a bunch of people move to YouTube hardcore, but, like, we're finally starting to see, like, more average streamers trying the dual stream or trying the AB stream where you swap platforms. And I think this is like yeah. the first step in the eventual move over to YouTube for everybody where people are diversifying now, which is always better. Um, and then eventually we're going to see that diversification pay off when Twitch probably inevitably kind of shits the bucket. Sorry, that was probably yeah. a way longer answer than you wanted. No, no, that's it's yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing going on. Um, and I've just I've seen some like different uh, YouTube videos about it and people kind of talking about some of the drama um so i was just curious what your kind of take was on it so that that is uh kind of crazy what's going on um and and just to see people competing or you know companies like youtube twitch like competing and like how how they go about that you know it's like it's a completely different world than the the indie hacker kind of space the the SaaS space that we're in um so anyways uh kind of jumping to some of your projects so you have like multiple like projects that you've done and tried and stuff that you built um like clipbot sponsors.dev thumbnail test i think that's your more recent one i I think you have more than this even um how how do you go about like managing all those projects or are some of those kind of died in the past now are you still like running all of those or yeah how's that work yeah okay that's a good question so 
getting into the muta stuff now sorry i get so like long-winded when i talk about twitch stuff and like streaming and life and everything no that's good that that was what we i wanted to talk about too okay cool all right i'm glad glad, glad. that was me yeah okay okay cool 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 all right so brass hacks so i since starting no bullshit have launched four projects um well okay three and a half um the three that you just listed and then i also did an nft thing in the middle uh i didn't make an nft collection i just did like an analysis tool because i was like if everybody hates it i could still make money off of just analytics software and then i'm not a bad person a lot of people disagree (laughs) but that was how i felt about it uh but i started with clipbot that was my first one made a lot of mistakes but it's always been like Clipbot has been a very lukewarm, successful project. Like, if I check my Stripe right now, I'm pretty sure it's sitting somewhere around like 650, 700 a month, um, which a lot of people would be like, wow, that's great. Uh, but like, uh, Clipbot's existed for nearly a year now. Um, and it's not strictly gone up. It's kind of up and down, up and down. Up and down. Um, yeah, uh, let me see if I can get my exact numbers here because I don't want to be, I don't want to be lying to the internet. But uh, so that was my first one. That was like the idea that I had where I was like, I'm gonna leave my entire life and I'm gonna go work on this. Um, but I put Clipbot on the back burner for a while. I tried the NFT thing. That did all right. I, I, that was when Clipbot was making probably like two fifty a month. Um, I tried the NFT thing. I made like 1500 bucks selling analytics software for like a month or two. Um, but I didn't like that again. Then my friends were like, ah, you never really like launched Clipbot. So I came back to it. I like launched it more officially. Um, and it started doing all right. And then it started doing really well for a little bit. Like I got a lot of people buying monthly plans. So my MRR might be low, but I had like a, you know, a few months over a thousand dollars with Clipbot. Then yeah. I did sponsors.dev because I had the idea. I was like, I do dev content. I do sponsorships. Like I know like my friends aren't really good at negotiating sponsorships. Let me try and help them. So I built, this was like a one day launch of, I just built a freaking type form, chucked it out there. Uh, and again, I made like a few thousand dollars over that. That was like in the background of my other stuff. Um, then I planned on moving Clipbot over to web eventually. So I decided I would build a mini tool called Easy Upload which was you just put in a vertical video and then it immediately goes to every vertical video platform. So go to TikTok, go to YouTube, go to Instagram automatically. Well, not automatically, but like, you know, you wouldn't have to open three apps to do all the uploading yeah. was was the premise. And I was kind of using that to sort of get myself back on track. And then while building that, I was like, oh, this is a good tool for YouTubers. I started dating a YouTuber around that time. Uh, and so I started getting into the YouTube stuff and I built Thumbnail Test. And then Thumbnail Test has... Like, I took about a month to build that, probably a little less. Uh, and it became very quickly my most popular project. Like, it broke 200 MRR before I even launched it. Uh, it is sitting now at probably like 800 ish, 700 ish, somewhere around there. Nice. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, a lot of that comes from affiliate, which is the first time I've ever had that. Um, Oh, okay. It's down to uh, 680. Clipbot's making 600. Thumbnail Test is making... Oh, no, wait. That's only the first plan. Thumbnail Test has two plans. This is the first time I've done that, too. Okay, so Thumbnail Test is at uh, 780. 
Clipbot is at 600. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so it surpassed Clipbot in like, you know, a, a fourth of the time. Like really quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I so was I think I got at, it right. <laughs> I was looking at thumbnail test, your, your AB uh, thumbnail test project, and I think it's a really good idea because I've been learning a lot about YouTube um, you know, I've done YouTube in the past. Like I had a, a YouTube channel when I was in high school and I made lots of videos and I make videos, um, now, but they're not like, I'm not putting a ton of time t into them. It's kind of just like developer log videos, uh, not super professional, but I'm into YouTube and I've learned a ton about YouTube over the years and I, I really enjoy it. I can see even going more into YouTube in the future. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like when I was thinking about like a, a, a product for YouTube, I feel like what you're building is like a perfect like indie hacker kind of product for YouTube where it does like kind of one thing um, and it's a smaller thing, but that's like one of the most important parts, like from what I've learned of like YouTube is like getting a good title, getting a good thumbnail. Like it's one of the most important parts that if like channels can get that down, like they can really grow their, their following and stuff. Um, so I, th I think it's a pretty cool idea. Um, I was curious with just how it works. Like, is it so like you have, say, you know, you have two tests for one video. Is it like somehow showing different thumbnails to different users on YouTube? Is that how it tests it? No. So this is like the the weird thing about it. Like we in software define A-B testing, you know, correctly as like it's it's every user sees something different. Something, something, statistics, right? Like 50% of people see A, 50% of people see B, and you measure click-through rate, and you like swap it on every impression. Uh, obviously, I don't have that level of of control over YouTube, right? Uh, okay, yeah. So what we do is, there's like another term for it. I forget the other term. Like, uh, but it is A-B testing by day. So Monday, we show A. Tuesday, we show B. Wednesday, we show A. Thursday, we show B. And then you just take okay. the stats for the 24 hours. The reason you have to do it that way is because YouTube only reports statistics at a 24-hour period uh. um, in a way that you could read consistently um, without just, like, keeping YouTube Studio open or doing some sketchy API stuff with, like, their internal API, uh, which is kind of what some people do. Uh, but, you know, I'm not trying to get banned by YouTube, so I don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but and a lot of people, like freaked out about that when I was first building it because all my friends are engineers and they were like, you know, you're not doing real A-B testing, right? Like, you can't say that. And I was like, you have to understand, that's like, to people who are YouTubers, that is what A-B testing is. Like, a lot of them know what real A-B testing is and are upset that it doesn't exist, but they're all using tools that do roughly what mine does, which there's really only like me and one other guy, uh, which is TubeBuddy. And this is exactly what TubeBuddy did. And TubeBuddy's like a huge company. And I was like, well... Mm. There's no reason I can't do exactly the same thing, charge less, and only make this part of their tool, and then optimize just this part. Uh, and so far, that logic has held up pretty well. Because uh, right now I'm doing, you know, no marketing for thumbnail test. Uh, yep. and it continues to grow. Like, I'm getting a new customer every few days. Um, largely through referrals. Uh, but, like, people are just hearing about it. People are just talking about it. It's like, I get a lot of, like, one or two referral affiliates now. Which means like somebody tries it, tells like one friend. They get paid a lot by me for it, but I get the growth. Yep. And I am not doing any marketing because I'm doing all this B yeah. stuff, right? I'm barely even doing dev, like, because I, I, I hired two guys. So truly, like, 
I have it on autopilot now, but because it's a good idea and the execution is sufficient, it works. Also, I have surprisingly okay SEO. I don't know if I actually get customers from that, but I do have surprisingly okay SEO. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. It, I think it seems like it would be a perfect like word of mouth kind of tool, like you're saying, where you know a YouTuber tries it, they like it. Every YouTuber has YouTuber friends. They go tell their friends because that's how you know they how they uh, grow and do things and learn is having friends that are YouTubers. So they tell their friends and they tell. Like I can see that being a really good way. And then the other way is if you just had one YouTuber that was like, you know, shared it with their audience or like made a video about it, like you know, and especially like the bigger the the YouTuber, like that could just blow up all of a sudden if you had a a bigger YouTuber that really wanted to help other people by sharing about it. Yeah, I super believe in that. And that's why I was so attracted to this space is because I realized the one, I'm gonna gonna say this so simply that it's not true and then I'm gonna add asterisks to it. But like the magic of the creator space is that the distribution is built in right? Normally you have to market a market a market, be on Google, be here, be there, run ads, da, 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 like tweet, blah, 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 all these things. Um, but if people like your stuff, a content creator has an audience. And if they have an audience that wants to hear about your stuff and they talk about it, you will get free marketing consistently, hand over fist. And then mm-hmm. that repeats itself. Like that begets more of itself, right? The referrals, yeah. the affiliates, like it's like that but for audience. Now, that's not as true as it should be, or that's not as true as we would want it to be because a really big learning I've had is that like intention and attention are two different things, right? Having a bunch of people that listen to you does not mean those people want to buy shit. Um, But the people who are super into YouTube stats, like people I haven't really talked to who are like YouTube channel managers, like nobody crazy big, but like I get some mentions in some like Twitter threads from people who are followed by a bunch of YouTubers. And those Twitter threads mm-hmm. always convert me at least one customer, at least two customers. And that's just happening, right? And like, mm-hmm. it's very rare that a regular company gets that. But because I built a thing for creators, right? Like yeah. all of these are people who have audiences. I built for the, the, the industry that has the most audience of audiences, you know? So yeah. the guy who yeah. uses my thing probably has other people who would listen to him. Or like you said, friends, you know, and that, that adds up a lot. So my original yeah. plan was actually to copy what the tweet hunter guys did and like the Taplio guys, which is my friend Tebow, which is they actually give an influencer equity. And then they're like, mm. you're our marketing guy. Now it's not just a sponsorship. Like you are the marketing co-founder, but you're allowed to work less because you have, uh, you know, an, an audience, your five hours of your time is worth 40 hours of a normal person's time. And they were able to like four X their revenue, five X, 10 X their revenue just by doing that like multiple times, really like insane, unreal growth numbers with like not a lot of spend. Uh, and I was really impressed yeah. by that. So I plan on doing that for ClipBot um, before I had this beast thing and might have to give that up. But with thumbnail test, that was like, like it was built with that in mind, right? It yeah. was built where I was like, I had an affiliate program before I launched basically. Like, I, or I should say I had people asking for an affiliate program before I launched. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and that was how I knew I was like, okay, this is the right place to be. Uh, and like, you look at TubeBuddy, my competitors, they're really, really, really heavy on that. Like most of their marketing is referrals. And so understanding that yeah. about the space and understanding that I was decent at zero to one and not so good at one to 10, 
I zero to one to myself with this thumbnail tester. I went to all my friends. I DM'd everybody that followed me who had YouTube links in their bio, you know, and then I got my first like five or 10 and then more people just came, you know, a couple good tweets. I had like a little bit of an audience of my own and I was able to like, now it's multiplied and it's not hockey yeah. stick growth. Cause I'm not actively working on it. I'm not yelling at people every day. I'm not asking people to do stuff. I'm not throwing up blog posts. Like there's a million things I could be doing. I'm not cause I don't have the time right now. And hopefully right. I will in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. if I'm still doing this, we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I struggled with getting something far off the ground. I was okay at jumping, but I wasn't okay at flying. And so I wanted to pick an industry where it was easier to go from jump to fly. And that was why I picked yeah. this. And so far that has proven true. Granted, like this was, this is a good idea that was a little hard to execute because of like very YouTube specific reasons, but I found a good enough execution. And if you have the balls to like figure out something that can make something work that other people can't make work, you can win. And that's, that's yeah. what I've learned. It's like, I had to do an analytics export and upload from YouTube studio in a very specific way with like some magic links and shit. And I'm convinced that single premise is the only reason nobody else has done this, you know, uh -huh. because everything else is trivial. But that was the hard part. And so I really had to dig deep into like YouTube, dig deep into the API to like realize what exact screens, what exact analytics and what exact export I could get at what frequency and how I could parse that. But made it happen. And yeah, now, now are I'm you afraid well about it. like, cause you've been streaming, you building that on Twitch, right? Like, are you afraid about competitors or new people being able to see basically how you solved that and just like replicate it? Or do you, if you buy my tool, it's obvious immediately. You know, I believe that anybody building any software or any software engineer that is sufficiently good using software could be like, oh, okay, that's how they're doing it. You know, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like you look at Netflix, you open up Netflix, like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. You reload the page, the order of all the titles changes and you see the same shows with different thumbnails. And you're like, ah, okay. They're AB testing their thumbnails. You know, they click on a video yeah, yeah. and then you see the preview video. You're like, interesting. Uh, they're showing off this and then you reload it. It's the same video and you're like, oh, okay. So they always show the same video. They're probably pretty confident in this. You know, you poke around anything, you can kind of figure it out. My secret sauce isn't very secret. Like it's on my yeah. FAQ, you know? How do you get the <laughs> analytics? You download them and you upload them. Like, I don't know what you want from me. You know, like it's, the defense is never in software because there's always going to be good engineers coming after you. The defense right. is like, me being me, me being a guy that had an audience, me being the guy that was able to take it off the ground, me having some like players that are significant in the space kind of at my back who are like, yeah, this guy's doing good stuff. You know, granted it's taken some time yeah. to get there, but <clears throat> my, my competitive advantage is a little bit of who I am. And then, yeah. Well, and I'm I just think good you've enough. picked a, I, I like the niche that you've picked for yourself because you're doing all this content stuff like on Twitch, on YouTube, like it's the space that you're in. So I like how you've picked software tools that help people in that space because you know more about it. You have experience with it. Uh, so I think, yeah, like I think like you're saying, like it makes a lot of sense for you and you're kind of positioned well to do those kind of businesses. <clears throat> yeah, that was definitely the thing. Like ClipBot, right? Takes Twitch clips, makes them into YouTube shorts and TikToks. And so like that made me a guy who could talk about Twitch because I was already a streamer. I could talk about TikTok and I could talk about YouTube shorts. And like I had some data where I could like be a part of the conversation and not suck. And there were a few times like I would I would monitor Reddit. You know, I use like F5 bot. I don't know if you use F5 bot. 
Uh, if not, you should. Uh, no. Um, okay. <laughs> super, super yet. best best tool on the planet. It's free. Uh, it emails you every time somebody mentions you on Reddit. Um, mm. And it's 100% free. And you can like set keywords. You can say only these subreddits. So I monitor the r slash Twitch subreddit for mentions of ClipBot, for example. Uh, but I also recently started measuring, measuring like mentions of TikTok. And TikTok came up like 500 times more than ClipBot. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think that's an exact number. Uh, which, of course, right? Like my rinky-dinky tool, literally TikTok. But... I was able to talk about tools when I needed to. So somebody was like, what are the tools that like the best tools for going from Twitch clips to TikToks? I didn't just go in and be like, I made ClipBot. ClipBot's cool. <laughs> I went in and I said, here's my four competitors. This one's good at this. This one's good at this. This one's good at this. ClipBot's good at this. I am biased as the ClipBot guy, but this should give you some direction. Right? Yeah. And like people like would probably think I was- help them. And then you're right. like, you're giving them a reason to trust you because you're actually talking about your competitors as well. And you're not like bashing them in front of them. Yeah. And if you go to my profile, you see that I'm a guy that streams. Like I'm not full of shit, you know, like at any point in time, you would see a stream within the past like week, most of the time, obviously right now, a little weird, but like, that's who I was. And so I would go into random streamers streams and I'll be like, oh, hey, I saw you had a bug with Clipbot or something. Or I'll be like, hey, I saw you try Clipbot. Like, thank you so much. And the reactions I would get would be like, oh, dude, yeah, we need more smart people in this space. Like, it's so cool that you're doing that. It's so cool that you're on here and everything. And, like, since I got the partner check mark, it's even more like, you know, it's it's a credibility stamp. So it really does add to it. And that was kind of, like, the reason I started there was I was like, well, the only place I'm unique is content, is, is Twitch, you know? And every other yeah. way, I'm just an average guy. Like, I'm not really interesting. So got to lean in on like the one little competitive advantage I do have, which at the time was like a 20 viewer Twitch stream and some big streamer friends. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And, you know, ClipBot didn't get huge. I still think it can be. And, you know, if, if I don't do the beast thing, I think it will be. Uh, but, you know, without that competitive advantage, I wouldn't have gotten it off the ground, I don't think. You know? Yeah. Like it led me to know enough about what I was doing. Like even just having a YouTuber girlfriend and then having seen some YouTube stuff myself led to be enough where she would like suggest the A-B tester, like show me some tools and we together like could come up with like, oh yeah, that's probably the one thing that everybody's buying this for. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for like just doing anything and then building in that space uh, because yep. you're like slightly better because <laughs> yep. most people don't do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for uh, talking and sharing your experience with all this stuff. Very interesting, very uh, informative. Um, but I think we'll probably end it here before I lose my voice completely and can't talk anymore. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Rox. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Good times. Glad catching up.